0: You are now listening to the Charity Church Podcast. Well, hey, yeah, we're kicking off this brand new series entitled Shift, and uh, we're just trying to get people to shift from one way of thinking to another, one way of believing to, to another, and uh, this morning, I just sense there's a huge shift going on in hearts and lives, and uh, man, there's just so much so many great things that are going on here at Charity. I am just energized, enthused, and man, I'm just, I'm just excited. We've got that men's group that's going on, and it is blowing up. We've got women's ministry that's just blowing up, our kids, our students, everything, just so many things. we got mission trips coming up, and theres you're, you're here at Charity at a really, really, really good time. And I'm so glad you're here uh, today and I'm so glad you're a part of what we're doing here. But this is our Easter series. So the next three weeks will lead up to that big Sunday that we celebrate, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so I hope that over the next few weeks, you'll use those Charity Cares cards, you'll use your voice and you will invite people to sit next to you In church, we had a great crowd in the early service, a really good crowd here as well. And so, thank you so much for being here. If you're a guest with us, man, we are honored and delighted to have you. We'd love to meet you after the service. And you can just go out here to our guest VIP room, and we'd love to hang out with you after the service and just get to know you a little bit. But if you have your Bible today, you can open up to Matthew. We're going to be there first. But I just want to start with this question Have you ever second guessed yourself? Have you ever second guessed yourself? I mean, whether it be a decision you made or whether it be uh, when you're on a journey and the, the, the somebody told you a way that you need to go and you go, no, that doesn't sound right, and then you... You kind of set out the way they said and you come to find out it is the wrong way and you go, ah, I knew I should have listened to myself. I was right about that. I had a, a strong feeling. Maybe you're in school and the teacher had a question and you wanted to answer it, but but you were just a little bit hesitant, but you kind of felt like you knew the answer and then somebody else answered it or the teacher kind of gave the answer and you go, ah, I knew I was right. And we had those moments where we just feel like in our hearts, we know what is right, but we never act upon it, we never do something about it, we never vocalize it, or we never confess it out loud. And so today, we have those moments that, that we knew something was right, but we never acted upon it. I believe when it comes to faith, there are many people who are sitting in churches today, or watching online today, who know certain things about Jesus, They know, and to some degree, they even believe certain things about Jesus and about God and about faith, but they never take a step to act upon it. And it may be an insecurity, it may be a fear, whatever the case may be, we're gonna look at some of those things today, but there's a hesitation to move and make that shift from knowledge to belief or knowledge of something and someone to belief in someone or something. So if you have your Bible, turn it to Matthew chapter 21, verse 7. This is the account of the triumphal entry of Jesus Christ. This is his final time into the city of Jerusalem. And every single gospel, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, all four of the gospel writers record their version, their, their assessment kind of of the triumphal entry of Jesus Christ. We're going to look at Matthew's this morning, and it says they, talking about his disciples, brought the donkey and the colt and put on them their cloaks or their outer coats, and he sat on them. Now, there are people who are textual critics. They go, look, this is a contradiction in Scripture. How could Jesus ride on both a donkey and a colt? Because he says that he sat on them. No, that is not what the them is referring to. The them is referring to the cloaks. Okay, so just in case. Um, so they brought the donkey and the colt, and this was all, uh, this is part of what we're gonna look at as the praise of the people. The people looking at Jesus, and they knew that there was a reason to praise him. And this event would make his public claim of who he was. This was his final move into Jerusalem. Zechariah had prophesied about this. Other prophets had, had prophesied about several things. We're gonna look at one of those prophecies today. But he's coming in on a donkey, riding on a donkey, and everybody starts to celebrate that. Most of the crowd spread their, clo- spread their cloaks on the road, and others cut branches from the trees. And these are palm trees, palm branches. Is why we call it Palm Sunday, this celebration of Jesus coming into Jerusalem the week before uh, Easter. And so from the trees, and they spread them on the road. This was basically red carpet treatment for Jesus. This crowd had gathered, they had heard, many of them had been following him, many of them knew the stories, they had watched him heal and raise dead and and all these things. And so this was like a major red carpet treatment for Jesus of Nazareth, the one that, that they believed in some degree was the next king of the Jews. And the crowds that were, went before him and there was those that followed him were all shouting. So it really looked just like a royal parade, a royal processional. So there's people leading the way and there's people coming up behind him and they're all shouting these words, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in Highest. This word Hosanna literally means save we pray or save us we pray. This is a direct quote out of Psalm 118 verses 25 and 26 and this was to be prophesied that this crowd would even say this, Hosanna to the son of David. Hosanna, save we pray. And then he says, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is he who comes as a representative of the Lord. That's what they believed about Jesus that he was a representative of the Lord. And they said, Hosanna and the highest, or what they were saying, he deserves to be praised everywhere, all the way up into the heavens. Everywhere Jesus ought to be praised. Every tongue, every mouth, every person, every animal, every creation, all of heaven and earth should be praising him who is the highest. Save, we pray, all the way, all of us. He goes on, and when he entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred up saying, who is this? Now listen, at this point, Jesus was not well-known in Jerusalem. He had been there a few times, but most of the ministry that Jesus did took place in the region of Galilee, which was down, when you go down from Jerusalem, but it's actually north, but it's, they were down around Galilee. That's where Capernaum was and the other cities. He crossed over the Sea of Galilee into the Decapolis, a lot of his ministry was taking place there. He was well known in the suburbs, but he was not well known in the city. Can I get an amen there? <laughs> but but he, uh, he was well known in China Grove, all right? And so uh, he has these, all of these people known him, but he was not well known. said, so, man, who is this? Who is it that you are making such a fuss over? Why are you waving palm branches, which was a sign of victory? Why are you laying your coats down? Why are you giving him the red carpet treatment? Why are you quoting Psalm as Hosanna and the highest? Why are you doing all this? Who is this guy? And the crowd said, this is the prophet, Jesus from Nazareth of Galilee. This is the one that we've been looking for. This is a, pro- a prophet. And according to John twelve seventeen, this crowd was actually present at the raising of Lazarus. So there were so many of these guys that were they were witnesses to some miracles. The miracle of raising Lazarus from the dead in the little town of Bethany, which was just across the valley from Jerusalem. So this crowd had witnessed so many things. They had followed him with not really any opposition up to this point. They were just following along and praising and just showing up for the miracles. And every bit of this happened on a Sunday. All of this praise and all this worship and all this joy and all these accolades, all of those things happen on a Sunday. And I was thinking about that. I was thinking, you know what? It's easy. Praise comes easier on Sunday, doesn't it? Yeah. Thank you, Miss Libby. It comes really easy on Sunday when you've got this vocal team up here and this band up here and this amazing preaching going on. There you go. Now you're laughing because you know that's a joke. Um, <laughs> praise comes easier on Sunday when there is no opposition. But what happens on Monday when it's not so easy? What happens tomorrow? I mean, a lot of people, it's like, oh, no, Monday's coming. And they just dread going back to work. And the reason is, is they got to go deal with that boss. They got to go deal with those employees. They got to go deal with those coworkers. They got to just deal with the being in a job they hate and a life that they despise. And then there's some that's going, hey, I love Mondays because I get to get away from my wife. I get to get away from my husband. I get to get away from the kids. I kind of get to go in my zone and do my thing. But listen, it's easy to praise God when there is no opposition to it. It's easy to, to praise God when everybody's doing it and people are encouraging you to do it. And when the, the, the time and when the, the atmosphere and all of those things are right, it is easy to praise God. But what happens on Monday when it's not so easy? Because what happens is Jesus comes in, all of these people are praising him and worshiping him and laying their coats down and waving the branches and praising him. But Jesus, at the end of the day on Sunday, heads back across the Jezreel Valley, and he heads back over to the little town of Bethany because that's what he would often do. He would spend the day in Jerusalem, but he wanted it quiet at night, and he went to China Grove, and he hung out up there. And he went up there, and that's where he spent the night. That's where Mary and Martha were because, you know, they loved to take care of him and just, just love on him and all that. That's where Lazarus was. I'm sure they kept telling stories. I can't believe you brought me back from the dead, you know. And they would just, so that's where he would spend the evening. So the next morning, he's going to have to go back into Jerusalem. And there was a shift that was going to take place. And Jesus said this, and we're going to jump over to John chapter 12. We're going to pick up the story in John's gospel, okay? While you have the light, believe in the light. This is what Jesus was telling the same crowd. He said, I want you to understand, I want you to to believe in the light while you still have the light, that you may become sons of the light. So they had the praise of the people and they were so excited, but we're about to see where the unbelief kicks in. Monday showed up, you know, Monday rolled around. And this is where... Faith meets Monday, faith meets life. And we just kind of really have to see where those two collide and what comes out victorious on the other side. And so we're gonna see the unbelief of the people, but Jesus says, while you have the light, believe in the light. Believe in it while you have it. Because there are many who have seen the light and they have benefited from the light, but they still not believe in the light for their salvation. And what Jesus is saying, I want you to trust in me while you have the light, because it is going to get dark, there are going to be some things that are going to be darkness and you're going to need to depend upon the light that you know. I don't know about you, but like at night, like if I kind of kind of closing up shop around the house and you make sure the garage door is closed and the lights are off and and for us our living room and dining room are kind of together and the light switch over here by the by the dining room table. And then if I'm gonna walk all the way back down the hallway to the bedroom, that's a long haul. And sometimes the, the living room lights off, and so when I turn the kitchen light off and the dining room light off, it's really dark. And so oftentimes what I'll do is I'll stand by the light switch, and I'll just kind of look down the hallway, look around the table to make sure a, t- a chair's not sticking out further than, I, than it should be, make sure that there's not a stool from the bar that's sticking out too far, or make sure one of the kids didn't leave a Lego on the ground. Amen? And so what you do is you just kind of look while you have the light and you go, okay, I'm kind of navigating my past and then you turn off the light and what do you do? You kind of relive what you saw in the light because it's dark and you want to make sure you don't hit something. And I think that's kind of what Jesus was saying. He said, you need to, while you have the light, depend upon the light, trust in the light, use the light for your good because there's going to be a time in the darkness you're going to be in dark areas. You're going to be in places that you're not going to be so sure. And so you better be dependent upon the light. And while you have the light, believe, put your trust, put your faith in the light. He goes on. He says, "When he had said these things, he departed and he hid himself from them." Jesus. This is one of his ways. Of, I don't know if it was his way of making people kind of ponder and think about what he was saying. But he would say these things and he would just kind of like walk off the stage. I you don't know if it's a mic drop moment or what it was, but he would just kind of walk away and he would go hide himself. And all the people are just kind of scratching their head going, what did he mean by that? What do you mean, while you have the light, believe in the light? What was he meaning by that? Because it was just gonna be a few short days from the same group that was shouting, Hosanna, glory to God in the highest, son of David. What, was he gonna, what were they gonna be shouting by the end of the week? Crucify him, crucify him, because he wasn't looking like the king they thought he was. He wasn't really looking like the king that was going to save them from Roman oppression. He didn't look like the king that was in the lineage of David that they thought he was. And so they were going to shift their thinking. And so Jesus was kind of giving them these moments, and he went and hit himself. And Zid goes on and says, "Though he had done so many signs before them, listen to this, they still did not believe in him. They had knowledge of him. They saw the signs, they saw the wonders, they knew the prophecies, he met all the criteria, but for some reason, they still did not believe in him. They had a knowledge-based faith that never changed their lives. They had knowledge of Christ, but they never believed in him. John goes on, he says, this is so that the words spoken by the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled. And here's what Isaiah prophesied hundreds of years before. Lord, who has believed what he heard from us? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? Therefore, they could not believe. For again, Isaiah had said, he has blinded their eyes. He had hardened their hearts, lest they see with their eyes and understand with their hearts and turn and I would heal them. Listen, this prophecy that, that, that was quoted here by John was actually prophesied by Isaiah hundreds of years before. And what Isaiah was looking at, he was looking at a prophecy for the Israelites, that their hearts were hardened. And so he was looking at it, but at the same time, he is foreshadowing, foretelling what was gonna happen in the days of Jesus. And so he's, this prophecy is old and it's fulfilling right here. So many prophecies were fulfilled right here in the time of Jesus and the, during this week. Isaiah had said these things because he saw his glory and he spoke of him. God's sovereignty, and in God's sovereignty, Isaiah was prophesying for Israel at the time, but he was also prophesying for the city of Jerusalem and the Galileans that were following Jesus into the city hundreds of years later. And we look at that and we go, man, God is so sovereign, but so could they really not believe Did they have no choice in the matter? Well, we certainly know they had a choice because God's sovereignty and man's free will will never be at opposed to one another. They are always compatible. How is that compatible? I don't know, but I know they are. And I trust in God's sovereignty, but I also trust that just like Jesus said, they did not believe, they made a choice in the matter. So God's, God's sovereignty and man's free will are always compatible in his divine plan and in the way life Goes on, and so these, verse 37 even gives us the indication of the, the human responsibility for belief. And he goes on, nevertheless, many, even of the authorities, believed in him. So there were, there were actually people who were in authoritative positions. We'll find out later in if you read the Gospels and even into the book of Acts, that there were Pharisees, there were Sadducees, there were many chief priests who put their faith in Jesus Christ later. But at this moment, there were many of the, even of the authorities who believed in him, but for fear of the Pharisees, they did not confess it so that they would not be put out of the synagogue. There was a, the motivation behind their lack of confession was fear. They were scared of what would happen. They had this reluctancy to trust Jesus and confess him as the Lord of their life. And for us and many people, the fear of the cost has kept many from believing in Jesus Christ. They look and say, what's it gonna cost me? Right now, I can show up to church. There's a great fellowship around there. I'm even making some good business contacts around there. I'm able to to do some things and socialize, and it's really good to kind of make our family look good because we show up on Sunday morning. It just looks good to people around us. They think we've got the perfect little family, but I'm not sure I'm ready to go all in with Jesus. I mean, I know who he is and I've got, and I believe he is who he said he was, but I'm not so sure I'm ready to make that kind of attachment to him. I'm not sure I'm ready to confess him as my Lord because, man, when I do that, things are going to probably change. My Friday nights are going to look different. My week around my buddies, it's going to look different. My ethics at work are going to be different, and I'm just not sure I'm ready to go that far in with Jesus because I might get thrown out of you name it, and these people, these spiritual ones, they were scared they were going to get thrown out of the synagogue because of the Pharisees and what they were teaching there, but for us, for many, the fear of the cost has kept many people from really putting their belief and their trust and their faith in Jesus because they love the glory that comes from man more than the glory that comes from God. They would, rather, they would rather say no to this lordship of Jesus over their life because they like what they get. I met a guy one time that wanted to argue after I did a graveside service, and he was arguing with me, and he was just saying that, that all of his friends were probably going to be in hell, and that's just where he ought to go. Yeah, he really said that. I've never heard anybody say it out loud, but this guy said it out loud, and I was thinking, they're not gonna be your friends in hell. They're really probably not your friends now. And so we love the glory, we love the association that comes from the darkness, even though we may not call it that, rather than putting our faith and our trust and going all in with Jesus Christ and allowing him to be the Lord of our Life. And so what Jesus does, he responds to their unbelief. And Jesus cried out and he said this, whoever believes in me, believes not in me, but in him who sent me. This is Jesus' response. He's saying, you've got to believe in me. You've got to believe in him. And whoever believes in me, you're believing not just in me, but in him who sent me. And whoever sees me, sees him, who sent me. So what Jesus is doing here, he's staking his claim that he is from the Father. He is from God. He is God in the flesh. So when you, when you believe in me, you're believing in him who sent me. There's an association there that cannot be disconnected. And that's what he was saying. He said, I've come into the world as the light so that whoever believes in me may not remain in the darkness. And he says, if anyone hears my words, and does not keep them, I do not judge him, for I did not come to judge the world, but to save the world. So Jesus is saying, my, my job was not to come down here to condemn you, because I'm telling you, you've already condemned yourself by rejecting me. What I came down to do, I came down to just plead with you and let you know, I am here to save you. I am the life vest for you. I am the life preserver for you and you need me to save you. You're not gonna make it on your own. So I'm not here to judge you for splashing around in the water. I'm not here to judge you for not putting your faith and trust in me. I'm just here to say, my hand is outstretched or my arms were outstretched, and I am here to save you. That's what Jesus is saying. I'm not here to judge, I'm here to save. And what's gonna happen is the one who rejects me and does not receive my words, they have a judge. The word that I have spoken will judge him on the last day. You reject Jesus, that will be your judge. That will be the judge. When you get to heaven, there is not a pop quiz where you're going, okay, how many Sundays did you show up to church last year? Did you go during COVID? Oh, you just watched online. Okay, all right. We'll give you half credit. It's not, it didn't work like that. He doesn't say, okay, where were you baptized? How old were you? No, that's not even on the test. You know what the test is? Did you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? And you can't go, oh, I knew who he was. I knew all the stories. I can tell you about Jesus and Lazarus. I can tell you about Jesus riding on that colt. I can tell you about Jonah. And listen, for the record, God, I believe that Jonah was actually swallowed by a big fish. And And God won't go, oh, wow, you get extra credit. Because there's people that don't believe that that are already in here. (laughs) And so, (laughs) weird, right? (laughs) But that's not on the test. What's on the test is what did you do with Jesus? And what Jesus is saying, you've got to move from a place of knowledge in someone to belief in someone. It's an old illustration. It's the best illustration I've ever seen. Come here, Tom. Come here. Now, Tom has a lot more faith than I do. Now, I've seen this stool. I've seen Roger sit on this stool over there. Roger's not, you know, just the biggest guy. I've seen Corey sit on that stool over there, all right? But, so I believe this stool will hold you up. So will you sit on that stool for me, please? Wow, that's really cool, isn't it? Give Tom a hand. Because Tom, I mean, I convinced Tom that that's a good stool, right? Right? Good down. you can go down. So I'm telling you, I'm convincing, that's a good stool. And I can say, man, that is a good stool. And everybody should believe in this stool. I have seen what this stool can do. I've seen it, I've watched it. And you would say, well, sit on it. I'm going, oh, I'm not sure I'm ready to go that far. I'm not sure I'm ready to make that kind of commitment. And that's what people do with Jesus. They go, I believe he is who he said he was. I've got knowledge. I've seen him change people's life. I've got knowledge of the light. I've seen what happens in the light. That church down there is absolutely incredible. And I've seen people's lives be changed when they put all of their weight and all of their faith and all their trust in Jesus Christ. But I'm not ready to go there. And I don't mind telling people how good he is. I don't mind showing up and applauding when they tell me to applaud. I don't even mind singing songs about the stool. But I'm not sure I wanna put my weight on it. I'm not sure Sure, I want to put my, my life's trust on that. And Jesus is saying, then you've rejected me. And when you reject me, you, that becomes the judge for you. And when you get to heaven, it's not going to be all the other stuff that we've added to this and our growth process with God. None of that matters in, in the big scheme of when you get to heaven. What matters is, is did you, did you put your, not even almost, it's did you put the full weight of your life on Jesus Christ? Did you say, not only God do I believe that Jesus is the son of God, not only do I believe that he is who he said he was and that he did what he said he would do, I am trusting him with my life, no matter what it cost me. I don't care if it costs me friends. I don't care if it costs me fun Friday nights. I don't care if it costs me my job. I don't care if I don't get promoted because I don't cheat the system. I don't care. What I care about is making sure that my life and everything that I have, all of my hopes and everything is placed in and put upon Jesus Christ. That's what belief in is all about. Don't be like this crowd that followed Jesus and they were praising him and thinking how awesome he was, singing the songs about him, and then they walk out and they go, but I'm not really sure I'm gonna confess him as my Lord because that's what's gonna cost me. Because church can just be a cultural acceptable thing that we just do in the South. And you're not gonna be persecuted because you can look the same on Friday night as all of your buddies who don't go to church and it doesn't matter. You can tell the same stories, the same jokes, have the same marital problems, all of those things, but whenever you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, things should change because God makes a difference. We are reborn. Things change for us, and it's not because works get us to heaven. It's because of something that happens inside when we put our faith and our trust in Jesus Christ. So what does it mean? to believe in Jesus. First of all, you believe that Jesus is God in human form. They believe that. They believe, I mean, some of them probably believe that Jesus was God. Who else could do those miracles? Who else could raise Lazarus from the dead? Who else? Only the Son of God. You also have to believe that Jesus died on the cross to pay the penalty for your sins. You know, there were some that were going to follow Jesus all the way to the cross. They were gonna see him hanging on the cross. There was gonna be a centurion there that was gonna see Jesus hanging on the cross. He was going, surely this was the Son of God. Surely it was the Son of God that we just crucified. And I've gotta believe, if I'm going to believe in Jesus, I've gotta believe that Jesus died on the cross to pay the penalty for my sin. And you know what? I am a sinner. And you know what? You are a sinner. And believe it or not, Miss Libby's a sinner. Aren't you, Miss Libby? Miss Libby. Come on, that'll preach, she says. We're all sinners. You may go, well, I'm not as bad as such. You should meet this guy down at, at work. Now that guy, he's a sinner. I'm pretty clean. Let me just illustrate it this way. Let's just say we all went out to the Outer Banks and we just lined up across the shore there and we just all said, all right, what we're gonna do now is we're going to swim to Bermuda. Wouldn't you like to go to Bermuda I'd rather go on a cruise ship, but we're going to get on the bank of the, on the, on the bank of the East, North Carolina, and we're going to go, we're going to swim to Bermuda. And some of you going, Oh, this would be a good challenge. I'm a good swimmer. Some of us will be going, I'm not even going to go in. Tracy wouldn't even go in over her waist. Okay. She hates to swim and she doesn't like the water. And so, but we're all out there. So we're jumping in and we're swimming. We got to get to Bermuda because that is the perfect goal. That's the perfect thing. That is the glory of God, so to speak. That will get us to paradise. It'll get us to heaven. And we start swimming and me, I'm a, not a really good swimmer. So I'd probably get about 50 yards out and I'd be winded. I'm looking for a life preserver. And there's some of you that'd be great swimmers. You could probably swim five or 600 yards. Man, we got triathletes that could probably swim two or three miles out there. But I'm gonna tell you something. There's not a single one of us that could swim to Bermuda. Every single one of us would drown before we got there. Some of you would just be drowning later than the others of us, okay? But the deal is, what we learn from Paul, he says, for all have sinned and have fallen short of their swim to Bermuda. (laughs) All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. There is not one person who is perfect. So what you and I needed was somebody to pay the penalty, somebody to get to Bermuda for us. And Jesus did it on the cross. Jesus did it whenever he lived a sinless life. He met the qualifications for the glory of God. And when he went to the cross, he said, I took care of the swim for you. I am, I drug you there because I hooked the life preserver to you and I got you there. But Jesus died on the cross to pay the penalty for your sins and for my sins. No matter how small they might've been, whether it was just a speeding ticket or if you were a murderer, you still missed the glory of God. And because of that, the penalty for your sin and my sin is death, is death. And Jesus said, I will step in. I will take care of the penalty for whatever sins you've committed and you can have life as a result of that. So we gotta believe that Jesus paid the price for our sins. And we also have to believe the sacrifice of Jesus is the only adequate payment for your sins. You can't cheat your way into heaven. You can't get there any other way. You 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 don't get there and you compare yourself to another Christian or another person. You don't go, well, I wasn't as bad as this person. No, you needed a sacrifice. You needed somebody to pay the penalty. And Jesus was the only sacrifice that was adequate enough. He is the only one who lived a sinless life and was crucified for you and for me. And you've got to believe that sacrifice was adequate enough for you. So what does it mean to believe in Jesus. Biblical saving faith is, yes, believing those things that I just listed, but it's putting the full weight of your dependence upon Jesus for your salvation. It's not putting your, your mouth to it. It's not talking about how good he is. It's not singing praises to him. It's not even getting baptized in his name. It is putting your faith and your trust in him, the full weight, the full dependence of your life upon Jesus for your salvation. And there are people, maybe in this room, maybe watching online, and you know so much about Jesus. You could correct me on things about Jesus in the life of Jesus in scripture, but yet it's a knowledge-based faith and is not a confessional faith. And what Jesus is saying, that if you will confess him with your mouth, and believe all of these things in your heart, that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That's what Paul wrote for us. It's not just knowledge. I wanna move you from a place of knowledge of Christ to belief in Christ. And I believe there's gonna be a lot of Christians that get to heaven, and all this Christianity thing was for them was a status symbol. It was convenient for them but they never really confess Jesus as their Lord. And when you get to heaven, Jesus will look at you and he'll say, depart from me, I never knew you. I never knew you because you never confessed me as your Lord. So what will you do with what you know? If you're here today and you would say, you know what, that's kind of been my life. I've, I've lived my whole life in church. I know the stories, I know a lot about Jesus. Maybe you're here today and you're going, listen, I just showed up today because somebody invited me. I don't really know a lot about him, but I do believe that I want him as my savior. And maybe you're here today and that's you. But maybe you're here today and you really do have a, a belief in Jesus. It's not just knowledge of it, it's a belief in. You've put your the full weight of your life on him, but you're keeping it a secret, you're not sharing it. What are you gonna do with what you know? Who are you gonna share that with? But today would be a great day for salvation for some of you. Today would be the day to put your full weight, just like that young man did before the early service today. 16 years old saying, you know what? I wanna put my full faith and my belief, the full weight of my life in Jesus Christ. Will you bow your heads with me? Maybe if you're here today and you would just say, that's me, today I need to put my faith in Jesus Christ. I need to put my full belief in him. I know about him, but I really want to be in with him. I want to be all in with Jesus. Would you just raise your hand? Anybody at all? Today is the day of salvation.